wear the PBR? Yeah, I can't sell any more alcohol. I mean, I have the T-shirt, so it's okay. You, That's good. I didn't have to. I didn't have to wear it for you to cheat off of it or anything. <laughs> Which is good. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Do Dad's Talking again. Of uh, you've actually already missed a lot before we started recording. I mean, you came in on cute voice and PBR, but we were talking about um, werewolf zombies and then just zombies that are, are generally aware of their own existence. And what were we talking? Oh, your drink, your your fancy drink. Yeah, should, this, you should, you should free plug that I've ever made. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, by now, if you haven't figured it out, there's um, you know, there's always a drink and a beverage in front of us during these episodes and it's often the only beverage i have all week so it's uh you know i, I try to mix it up and have something a little different every week and tonight i mix a little vodka tonic with some kettle one cucumber mint vodka and i had to walk away for a moment after i tasted it and bring it to my wife and just kind of brag about how awesome it was and let her have a taste because it's absolutely delicious and simple and it's uh yeah i'll be making this one again so yes we we always have a drink in hand um kind of like trailer park boys as far as you guys know but same thing. I uh, This is pretty much my only beverage anytime is when we're sitting down recording. And in true dichotomy of dadness, I'm the opposite. I'm like, oh, do I, have, do I still have more of the exact same thing that I've been drinking the last two months? <laughs> yeah, let's keep going. Because there's nothing, nothing more annoying than being like halfway through three or four different bottles. Doesn't make sense to me. I'm, I'm kind of like a linear progressor when it comes to tasks like that. I'm the same way with food. So if I order a burger and fries, I'm eating the fries. Then I'm eating the burger. And there are right and wrong ways to eat a burger after that too, for the record. Just so just so you all are aware. Yeah, what's the wrong way to eat a burger? Because I, I think of myself probably as a like a normal person. <laughs> what's that? Probably like a normal person. It's <laughs> the wrong way to eat one. I'm the I, I take a bite and then I kind of do like a left and a right, like alternating, kind of expanding on that bite. But once you get kind of significantly into the burger, you know, a quarter or a third away into the burger, then I start working around the outside and getting the rest of the edge of the bun. And then I kind of, I don't go all the way around. Like when I was younger, I used to go all the way around and get rid of all those pesky edge pieces. But instead I kind of work along the side and then I come back to the middle and I, I end up, and then when I get to that last, like, in moon phases, it's like the waning gibbous, where it's a little bit more than a crescent or whatever. Or excuse me, no, it's, it's just still a crescent. It's not gibbous. Gibbous is how you start. And then when you get to a crescent, I then finish off the rest of the crust so that I kind of have like a semi-middle final bite where it's all middle, where it's all juiciest, all the condiments and everything are all in there. So you get that last like hit of everything. Wow. That's intense. That is the most intense. I'm a complex person. I've ever <laughs> That is super complex. Unless it's the garbage burger from Max and Irma's, which Max and Irma's is almost at a rest in peace kind of state of life because the garbage burger has so much on it that convention for me goes out the window. You just got to get as much of it in the mouth before it all falls on the plate as quickly is as Is it possible. a burger that you basically have to eat out of a bowl with a fork and a knife? Like, is it that that crazy? It could be. Um, it, it's, it's, I don't because I'm a complex person, <laughs> but it, it's... <laughs> Let's see if I can remember them all. It's nine toppings. Um, the back for for those of you who don't know, because you might not. Do you even know what Max Nervous is, Tom? I don't I know. Have I have no idea. No. I okay, no I was idea. gonna say. Okay, it never even made it on the East Coast. So, mm-hmm. at least not near me. I'll take a sip of this one. So Max Nervous was a. Um, it's the same level as like a Chili's or a or a Friday's family restaurant. You know, it it had a Sunday bar. Kids eat free at Tuesdays. Little combos where you get a burger and fries and a cookie and like a little appetizer and like crap like that. 
it started in Ohio in in Columbus, um, the little neighborhood is called German Village. And I think the first one opened in the, it was in the seventies, I'm pretty sure, but I want to say like 76, 78, maybe like late seventies. And one of their sticks that they had was that they had phones at each table and you could call the other tables in the original wow. restaurant. And that was like their thing. They got rid of those eventually, but it expanded into Indiana, I think, um, you know, Midwest ish. And at one point there was over a hundred restaurants. And I, when I was 19, I got my first serving job there at, at the Max Nermas near where I grew up. So knew the menu, knew everything pretty well. And now it started slipping even when I was working there a while back and it just kept going downhill, downhill. They got bought by like three different companies and who kept trying to like revamp it and sucking. And then COVID absolutely crushed it. So there's maybe five locations left. And wow. the closest one to us is 40 minutes away. And occasionally we make the drive there. Here, kids, here are your tablets. We're going on a trip because yep. we, we both love it. And the next closest one after that is probably, I think it's a two-hour drive or, or more. So we're probably not going to make that trip if, if this next one closes. <laughs> you so know anyway, that one stays open. That's, yeah, that's the backdrop. Um, the garbage burger is bun and patty, but lettuce, tomato, onion, pickle. And then it has cheddar. American, mozzarella, Swiss, Parmesan, bacon, guacamole, and marinara, all in one burger. That doesn't even sound good, though. It doesn't, and it is absolutely amazing. I promise okay. you. It's fantastic. The uh, I used to get it back when I was actually working. I used to get it without the guacamole and marinara because I wasn't a huge fan of those things on sandwiches to begin with. And the line cook told me, he goes, no, you have to get that. That's basically like that replaces kind of the ketchup and mustard that you would have in a normal burger. And he's right. It just makes it so much juicier, so much better. And every time I go to Max Nermo's, having been someone who worked there, I'm always like, oh, I'll eat this or I'll eat that, like something from the menu to, to like relive the glory days. But I always get the garbage burger because I never know when it's going to be the last time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those things that no one else has. And I've always loved it. And yeah. And so it, that's the only burger where I can't eat like a sociopath. You, you do eat other burgers in serial killer fashion. Yes. Yeah. That's, um, <laughs> yes. that's, that's pretty darn deliberate and uh, exact and disturbing <laughs> um, how you eat a cheeseburger. So if you ever do make it out this way, I will not be taking you out for cheeseburgers. We'll go out for pizza. We'll go out for seafood. We'll go out for Italian. Uh, it's a really great sushi place, but we're going to stay away from the burgers, which which hurts me to say out loud because I've never before said that. But I fear for my life if I take you out for a burger, and and I don't want to fear for my life. It's okay. Just if you if I didn't actually tell you, you probably wouldn't notice. Just keep your that fingers like away so they don't get caught. Notice. No, that sounds like something I would notice. <laughs> So there you go. Sociopathic burgers, zombies, lichen. Would you say lycanthropic? Was lycanthropic that the word? Like lycanthropic yeah. zombies. Yeah. Aware zombie, not a yes. aware zombie. Right. Not not aware zombie, but a aware zombie. Yes. Like a clothing line. Yeah, kind of like a clothing line. W e a r zombie. I'm a zombie by the full moon, and I only wear brand name. Uh, make a designer label, or I will eat your brain. It almost okay. Rhymed. Yeah, there is a clothing motto in here somewhere. Somewhere. Like the brains of the operation. Yeah. Anyway, it. moving on. Moving on. <laughs> so, Tom, what did you do this week? Because, like, well, I can go first, but I, I did have some very dad things this last week. And, and I'm almost excited to tell them, but they're so mundane <laughs> that I don't know if they're going to be all that great. 
think that's a part of being dad um, is that sometimes you have to embrace the mundane. Well, my wife's birthday was this week. and uh, Happy birthday. Thanks. I'll make sure I pass that on. On her birthday, I had a doctor's appointment with a pulmonary function test. There's some stuff going on with my lungs. It's been ongoing now for a few months, and we thought we might have figured out what the problem was when they found out that I was bleeding in the, uh, in the back end, and they fixed that. That never fixed anything, and they did find a couple of nodes in my lungs, and so they're just kind of doing some follow-ups and had to go do the PFTs, and it took longer than I thought and left me lightheaded and a little dizzy, and it was kind of fun. But I did that and, and had a machine basically tell me to empty my lungs over and over and over again. Never done that before. That was different. And that was on my wife's birthday. So my poor wife on her birthday had a husband who was lightheaded and fuzzy. and But celebrated the wife's birthday and uh, put in some work. Dealing with a, uh, a bully at school who wants my kid's attention. And it's fun dealing with bullies. Trying really hard not to go Colin Farrell all over the, the kid's family. Um <laughs> <laughs> but uh the teacher is great and she's she's finding some things to work out with that's been my dad venture this week is trying not to worry about a kid picking on my kid at school and trying not to worry about how my kid's responding and hoping that she is responding and being kind of conflicted and torn because you know there's a huge part of me that says if this kid is mean to you and he puts his hands on you knock him on his ass I really feel like well, as soon as he puts his hands on you in an unwanted way you should teach him not to do it again but uh, we don't exactly live in a world where that's the promoted way of thinking. And it's probably a good thing. Um, We're about to. It's just the way that I, <laughs> yeah, we are. Things yeah. are about to go sideways in very serious fashion. Things have already gone sideways. The world just isn't paying attention. Or there's enough false flag stuff going on that people aren't really noticing what's happening. Got North Korea, Russia, and China talking about a new world order and how the U.S. won't be the center of it. And then you go back a couple of days and realize, no, no, it was actually Joe Biden who said we needed a new world order first. It's a weird world. But yeah, I'm, I'm torn because I both want to teach my daughter that, you know, when someone bullies you, you knock them on their ass. And then also accept that that's not necessarily the right way to, to be doing things. Maybe it probably wasn't when I was a kid, but it worked for me. So I kind of think it would work for her. And I kind of want to. Yeah. Anyway, that, that's my dad venture right now. So remember when um, the government tried to distract us with aliens and everyone was like, no, just please stop. This is pathetic. It's fine. You know, it, we, we know you're doing weird stuff. It's cool. Just keep us in the dark. Don't try to like act like we need to be distracted. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think people noticed when the government was like, oh yeah, aliens. I, people, honest to God, just didn't seem to notice and it blew my mind. It really did. Didn't Wasn't there something that came out that, that where it was kind of like, yeah, the CIA killed JFK? Like, wasn't there something kind of Along those lines, that that finally got declassified after whatever it was, fifty-ish years or something, and and I, it was. I don't believe it was to that level. It wasn't a blatant admission, but it was. It was at least along the lines of like, yeah, the CIA knew something was going to happen. Yeah, they kind of knew it was probably going to be at that event or at that parade, and then and then people were looking back on it and being like, wow, they didn't use the same like security protocol at this event as they did others. So it was kind of like I think I thought that was the. The big reveal from some of the conspiracy theorists was that even if the CIA didn't pull the trigger, they kind of let it happen. Like they 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 totally knew there was at least going to probably be an attempt there, and they didn't really try that hard to stop I, it. I just wrote down to go ahead and check this week for CIA declassified information on JFK because now <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like there was a lot more released than I was aware of. A lot of things were declassified the last year and two that were really, really big deals, and uh, people don't care. 
they don't it's, care. It's amazing that people just don't care. It's it's very important, you know, that that Jake Paul is not a good boxer. That we don't consider him a real boxer. It's it's very important that um we know Sophie Turner and one of the Jonas brothers are divorced. These things are very important. But what's not important are actual documents that are being declassified, detailing our government's history and uh, things happening across the ocean that are going to have global impact for years and years. These things aren't important. No, it's it's really all about. That would be an stuff. interesting. That would be an interesting thought project. Though, like, why? Why is that happening? I mean, I I feel like this is a, a lazy man's take, but I feel like it could be COVID because pandemic. Holy crap. Anyone you you walk past could be a ticking time bomb. Let's all stay in our houses. You don't need masks because it's so deadly. Like, who cares? It's not going to help you anyway. I, I consider myself a relatively rational person when I'm not eating a hamburger. I was going to um, say the cheeseburger is <laughs> excluded. I would agree with you, generally speaking. You know, I, I like to sit there and think, okay, well, maybe it's this. Well, maybe it's that. I mean, I was kind of sitting there like, man, if there's this actual disease going around, if some of the figures that they were tossing around, like, you know, 10 times more infectious than the flu and twice as deadly, if both of those figures are even half what they actually say, this is bad. And then I know people died from it, but, and maybe this is just my own experience, but I I do not know personally anyone who died from COVID. I have the like coworker's uncle or friend of a friend who had some family member who would die. So it's not like I don't think anybody died from it. But I didn't have anybody die from it. And they were making it sound like 1% of at least the U.S. population was going bye-bye. So I should have known somebody by those numbers. And again, it could just be my own little window of experience. But I think a lot of people saw the same thing and they thought, well, wait a minute. I This is going to sound weird, but when we were doing the you know stay at home, 14 days to slow the spread, I was very conscious of the fact that I was doing this because the government was asking me to do this. It's not like I didn't have some fear. I mean, I have small children and everything like that, but I was trying to be the good person. And every bone in my body was like, when some ruling person tells you to to not do anything, that's usually not a good sign, but, but you know what? We should try to be good people. Don't be the a-holes. And my own personal experience said that that was bullshit. We did not need to do that. And the data, I think, is showing otherwise. And then it, it's nice that I know a couple of doctors who I, I started listening to what they were saying about infectious diseases. And I was like, oh, so staying home is actually worse for your immune system. You only stay home when it's an honest to goodness, truly deadly thing. And it just turned out not to be. So even the stuff, even if the government admits, hey, we did this really bad thing 50 years ago, it's hard for me to believe you slash it's hard for me to bother. It's like a an ex who just burned you so badly that you're turned off. Like you don't even care about them anymore. Like even if something bad happens to them, you're like, eh, sucks for them. Like you don't care because you just completely disassociated yourself from them emotionally. That's why I, I think a lot of it may have come from that. Cause I know that's how I feel. Oh, the CIA assassinated JFK makes sense. Anyway, what's for lunch? An accurate you know? take. Yeah. And kind of like what I was saying last week about Hamas and, and, you know, people stuck in the crossfire. Like I can't exactly go knock on my local, like black sites door and be like hey guys um you're out we we took a vote and uh you have to pack your bags and go we're gonna we're gonna hire some new cia peoples like that's not how this is gonna work so what am i supposed to do it doesn't it doesn't affect my daily life but until it actually does until people start showing up on my doorstep what am i gonna do like realistically that's the it has to get bad it has to get bad for people to do something 
And, and it gets way worse than it should. Everything that's that's what that's what it is. No one cares enough about anything to change it or give it their energy until it affects them. That's just how it works. That's just how we operate for ninety nine percent of our decisions in life. If it doesn't affect us, frankly, we don't care. That's right. just the general truth. And that's a double edged sword too. Sometimes that's good. Well, yeah, See, I mean, you can only pay attention to so much. I mean, can you imagine if you had to pay attention to every single detail of everything happening everywhere in the world? I mean, you can, you've can you only got so much. This, this is something that I've been – my therapist has been dealing with me on a regular basis. And she's like, listen, you're just spreading yourself too thin every time we talk. You know, she's, she's like, well, we're going to – what do you want to talk about today? I'll throw out something. And she'll say, okay, okay, so start telling me about your week, and, and I'll start just talking. And uh, it'll be, oh, I, I did this project and I ran this to ground and I failed to finish this project. And then I'm trying to do this with my son to, to help ma manage his anger and it's not working. And, and this happened with my dog and he got loose and I overreacted and got really angry when he ran away and couldn't get him. Like I was really overly emotional and couldn't rein it back in. And I'm not sleeping enough and I'm not giving enough attention to my client that I've got that I really want to help grow. We're trying to bring some new people on the team and I'm trying to, to mentor someone to take over some tasks. And I wasn't able to really do that this week. And I wasn't able to finish this other project over here. And I wasn't able to do enough housework to help my wife this week. And I wasn't able to get to the gym at all this week. And I wasn't able to get my 11,000 steps in three days this week. And it turns into like a running list of the things I was not able to accomplish almost every time. And she started saying, listen, you need to start realizing that you have a finite amount of energy. You have X amount of energy. And you've got all these jars in front of you, and you're trying to fill up all these jars, but you don't have enough energy to do it all. And so you keep thinking you're just going to skip sleep or skip this and find some more energy and make more energy. You got to realize there comes a point where you have a budget for your energy, and you can only do so much. You can only get so many things done, and you have to start making conscious decisions as to where you spend that energy, what, where you're putting this. And, and we do the same thing with our attention. There's only so much we can actually pay attention to in this world before we get stretched too thin and we just can't manage. And then it becomes a problem because we beat ourselves up for what we don't pay attention to, what we don't know and what we haven't figured out and haven't handled. So we've got this, it's not quite tunnel vision, but it's close. You know, it's, it's the shoot the wolf closest to the door mentality. There's only so much attention we can pay to things. And when you've got three kids and a mortgage and a wife and a dog and friends and close family and health issues of your own, I mean, there's only so much you can pay attention to. And that is the sad, realistic nature of things and uh and the dark side of it is that there are people out there who are going to judge you for it and be like oh, i can't believe you don't know what's going on between hamas and i don't know i can't believe you don't know what's happening in north korea and what do you mean you didn't know about this this american soldier who defected north korea and i was arrested and his family's fighting it like oh, people I heard about judge that. you for this <laughs> stuff oh that's a hell of a story right there yeah um well but you know why it's because that's their focus. That's what they're spending their energy on. Those same people who are like, how'd you not hear about X? Those are the same people who don't know how to raise a child or how to like even cook a proper chicken meal or something like that because their energies are, are focused elsewhere potentially. Those are the people who spend all of their energy focused on how to eat a cheeseburger instead of just enjoying the damn thing and not scaring the person they're sitting with. It's fine. I mean, it's a you problem. It is. That is me. Probably. And we do that. We do this to each other every single week. We're like, did you see this? No. How did you not see that? Oh my goodness. <laughs> yep. This is a regular judgment. We it's cast. a regular judgment. Like thing. I said, it's, it's just the way it is. It's, it's okay with saying that this is not okay, but it's the way it is. It's okay. That's, that's the way we operate as human beings. Yeah. It's, it's almost back to that tribalistic mentality. You know, it's, it's what affects me and what I can deal with is what I'm going to deal with and let it affect me. And also, I honestly, this is an American problem. I, I don't mean to like, you know, same team kind of thing, like friendly fire. But um, 
I, there's a story behind this because this is just how my brain is. So I'm going to tell it just in case it's it's worth anything later. Uh, so my wife, she had uh, there. We visited some family friends years ago who live in England, and they're fantastic people, by the way. Love them to death. Great people. Really accommodating. Really, you know, need to talk to. And and um, but when we would be sitting in in their house each night, and the news was like world news constantly and i'm sitting i'm i actually commented on it i'm like wow there's more news about germany and russia and this thing happening in spain and an update on on something in italy and like there were two stories in england and they they said i said what about local news and they said oh there are separate stations that focus on that like they legitimately and it's just their city and then one that's kind of just england and, and it really is kind of more more segmented there and i thought i thought that was kind of neat and then i realized that I think part of the reason why is because America has the oceans. And even though in the way technology is nowadays, like an ocean isn't really a big deal. I mean, there's still natural barriers. I mean, you can still find in plenty of towns. It's different on each side of the tracks. It's different on each side of the interstate. It's different on each side of the lake or the river or whatever. There are natural barriers that still matter. And so I think that's part of it. But I think also part of it is just the size of America, like real estate size. Because you know what's as far away from England? California is over half the distance to England from where I'm at, I think. England is almost certainly closer to me than California. I, I feel like the flight to Las Vegas last year was longer than right. than what it would take me to fly to Europe. So I tried to imagine, I'm like, well, so when, when England is reporting on something happening in Spain, that's like when we talk about something that happened in Tennessee or Georgia or something like that. It just geographically speaking, I mean, it, it's it's like you said, when it affects you, you pay attention. And when it's closer to you, I mean, when someone doesn't have to hop on a plane and come over here. You know, if the serial killer is in a car on the loose, like, and, and you're the next country over, you're going to pay a lot more attention. Because <laughs> yeah. if he caught a ferry, he's at least got to take him a week to get here. Sure. I think Although that's those, part of those intercontinental ballistic missiles travel pretty quick. Yeah, they do. But so that's why I mean, in a way, it's it's like a uniquely American problem because we have a, a real coast to coast that most other countries don't have. I mean, Canada, sure, but you know, they're way up north. America's hat. I love Canadians. All the, all the crap we give them and all the I crap. Do. They, I do. Canadians are great. And all the crap they give us. Yeah, they're. I, I think they're about as close to us as, as there are right now, probably. the Most of the people are generally pleasant. Yeah. Yep. I've never met someone from Canada I didn't like, and I'm sure they've got buttheads like anywhere else, <clears> but I've literally never met someone from Canada that I didn't like. Also, uh, well, same here. Also, the the well, I did meet someone from Canada I didn't like, but that's because she was into me and I was not into her. That that's makes a, it that's yeah. a recipe. Yeah. Also, apparently the Mounties, I think they're like super hardcore. Like as far as police forces go, I've heard that their their training is more than your average cop. You know, I could be wrong. I, I don't know. Having having been through having been through city police officer here, there are places in America where I'm like, you're a cop in this town, you're soft. And I just feel that my hometown is is, is a town I feel like that. I, I know a couple of the guys there. And um I feel like if, if you're in a place where the worst crime you have to deal with is occasionally kids smoking pot at the beach, you're just, and I hate to say soft because now I'm being judgmental of people, but you're kind of soft compared to someone who's a New York, a New York uh, city cop. You're soft compared to someone who's in Newport News in LA, a Chicago or Detroit. Uh, 
the big city areas are going to breed tougher police officers than pretty much anywhere else. I don't think it's a national gateway drug, thing, Tom. But I will. Those, yeah, those are the hardened criminals at the beginning. <laughs> that that bud they call it bud <laughs> because it makes you so mean. The, there was a and there was a TV show, it was a poker TV show. Uh, I think it was called The Big Game, and this is way before COVID. This is back in probably the. I don't know, 2007 to 2012 timeframe, someone and somewhere in there. And it was my favorite poker show of all time. And like almost all the episodes are on YouTube, but I still every once in a while pull it up and watch a playlist and they would get five celebrity poker players, five professional pros, or just like high stakes rec players who were fun for the game. And then one person would a chance to play with them and he'd get bankrolled a hundred thousand dollars and he would play with these five celebrities, anything over a hundred thousand when he was done, he kept and if he went bust, he went bust. And they brought another pro to finish out the episode time. So you'd have guys sitting down that were, you know, recreational poker players. Some of them took it very serious. And some of them were just very obviously bad wrecks. And they would just have $100,000 on the table that essentially was free money for the pros. But the fun was always the drama that broke out between the pros. Like there were some epic moments with Phil Hummuth and Tony G that, I mean, probably scarred Phil Hummuth for life. I mean, Tony G ate that man's soul and spit it out because it wasn't good enough. It was crazy. But there was one guy on there who was uh, one of the loose cannons who won the chance to be on the show. And he was a police officer from Canada. And I swear if he hadn't said it and they hadn't had a picture of him doing something at some kind of a bust, it was I think it was a narcotics bust. If I hadn't seen the picture, I would have never believed this man was a police officer because he was just the most soft-spoken, timid, lacking confidence, just un-alpha person I have ever met in my life. And most police officers are type A people. Most of them are alphas. There aren't a lot of them that aren't. They exist, but there's not a lot of them and, and, and for good reason. But this guy just was not that guy. And if I had met him in a bar and he had told me he was a retired police officer, I would have laughed my butt off and been like, from where? Like, what farm did you work on for 30 <laughs> years where you were a security guard? And he was from Canada. And uh, so I don't know about that. I got to say. Here we are. We came around. (laughs) That's that's the whole thing. That whole long story is to be like, no bullshit. I don't think they're all that tough. But now that I'm thinking back on it too, I don't think he was a Mountie. I think he was a a city police officer. I think he made a distinction in one of those episodes where he was like, no, no, we're not Mounties. We're uh, we're, we're right. Like there's more than just Mounties. Like the same way there's more than just state troopers here. Right. Yeah. But man, he was a bad poker player and he just was not someone who was a, he just not a type A guy. And I just, yeah. Anyway, see, I'm super judgmental tonight. This apparently this vodka is is making me super judgmental. I'll have to drink this Mm -hmm. some more. It makes for good radio time. I'm sure. I mean, tequila makes me upset. Thought you were going to say naked. And I was like, yeah, don't drink tequila. No, no. (laughs) Yeah. We won't talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) I think we already did. No, not really. No, we did not. <laughs> Pretty sure we just did. No, we didn't. No, we we referenced it. We alluded even, but we did not talk about it. Not even close. <laughs> All right. I'm going to get into my, my dad stuff this week because I think this is what this podcast was made for. So I did exactly two things in the last week that were very dad-ish. Um, they're not long stories or anything like that. So the first thing I did was I installed a overhead storage in our garage. Doesn't sound like much. I'm sure it's something that plenty of you dads out there and, and other manly men out there have done in your life. But man, I feel so accomplished from doing something like that, especially with just me. And it's, it's not like it made it any harder to be just me as opposed to like the instructions are like two-man project. But you know, eight-foot ladder, 
six mounting beam things in the studs and you get to choose if you put them perpendicular or, or horizontal or whatever, like across beams or, or along beams. And, and six of these things, two drill sites per thing, climbing up and down the ladder constantly, using a stud finder on the ceiling, marking things with a pencil, climbing down, staring at them, trying to make sure they're kind of aligned, drilling the, the pre-drilled holes, getting the bolts up in there and then they don't completely go in and then you're sitting at the top of this ladder which by the way it says maximum limit of weight 225 pounds i am north of 225 pounds and when the garage floor is not perfectly level and you're trying to use a a socket wrench to tighten something on the on the ceiling that's a whole other experience in of itself when the ladder shakes a little bit because the socket wrench (laughs) caught and you're like oh god i'm gonna die (laughs) Oh, I've got stories about working on slate roofs and a 40-foot ladder. Uh, uh, yeah, it's not fun. awful. Got it all put up, 600-pound weight limit. Sent my my wife up there to tighten one bolt that I forgot to tighten. It held her, so it's good. <laughs> you sent her up to do it. I was going to say, you're having a real Tim Allen moment here. I'm expecting to hear a grunt, and then all of a sudden, it's like, well... I got this one bolt I didn't quite tighten. I set my wife up the ladder to do it. Now I, I forgot. I forgot to do it before right. I installed the thing. Yeah, she. Uh, <laughs> well, she's a good sport, and she. She agree. I mean, this is again why you know we got married probably because we've used. So the same. she could have your baby, and a week later you could have her climb a ladder yeah. you didn't want to climb. <laughs> yeah, I told her too. I was just like, "This should hold me because I'm not 600 pounds, but you're lighter. If something goes wrong, you're certainly not going to catch my ass." Would you mind going up there? And she goes, no, it's fine. Yeah, it makes more sense for me to go up there, obviously. So got all that done. It led to a really great kid moment, too, because our three-year-old was just having a conniption fit at that exact moment, like right after she got up the ladder. And so our three-year-old is, mommy, mommy. Like, can't even understand her other than the word mommy. And she's waddling around with her little tablet. Like Crybabies is playing on it, of course, because that would that be poetic? And the service door of the garage is sitting open, and she's right as she comes into view, she's going, eh, and she looks up and sees my wife, and and she just kind of stops, and her face was, it pretty much said, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> it was just this, and we both laughed our asses off, which then proceeded to upset her again. But there was this brief moment of like, yes, she's like, what the hell are you doing up there? So that was the first thing I did. Installed this thing. It took a couple of hours each day over like three days. Felt pretty proud of myself for lifting, you know, like a hundred pound thing over my head to hook it into the little posts and use the ladder to stabilize it and all that stuff. You know, all that like, yes, I could do it again. Yes, it wasn't that hard. But damn it, men do this shit because it's annoying and it's difficult and it's heavy and it just takes time. And if you haven't done it before, you sit there and you go, oh, of course, that's easy. It's like a simple contraption. You just hang stuff from the ceiling. But when you do it, you're like, man, that takes three or four times longer than you than you actually think. So I did that. I'm very proud of myself. Testosterone, go team. Thank you. The other so thing give I did. Him a, a round of applause, like a, like a canned <laughs> round of applause. Give me the, a kudos. Effect. <laughs> the other dad thing that I did this week our oldest was playing with one of the neighbor girls and they grab the hula hoops out and, you know, toss them around. A couple of minutes after that, my daughter comes in and goes, daddy, blank girl, so we won't drop specific names of other people, Um, got the hula hoop stuck in the tree. I'm like, okay, whatever. It's not our tree. It's like the tree in the right, right in the yard next to us, which, you know, they wouldn't upset those people. It's fine. But I come out and this thing is like way up there and it's not 
it, it was on one of those like small branches, like a little offshoot branch, but it was far enough on that it was not coming down anytime soon. It almost would have been easier to move it along a bigger branch, if you know what I mean, because it wouldn't have been as harshly angled. Yeah. And so it started with taking the other hula hoop and trying to throw it at it and knock it a couple of times and it just wasn't doing it. So get the other hula hoop stuck in the tree too. Well, I thought of, I mean, you know, I thought it, I, I, my daughter even asked that. She goes, but daddy, what if you get the other hula hoop stuck? And I'm like, well, then it gets stuck. And her face was like, what? <laughs> Wait, that's <Yeah>. not, <laughs> she couldn't compute why, why I was like, ah, whatever. It's fine. If we get both stuck, who cares? So finally I have a, a good dad idea. Go down into the basement. One thing that we do own is a, like a pole saw extension, but for a little short chainsaw. Yep. Nine foot extension plus chainsaw plus me six feet tall plus my reach, which probably adds another like foot and a half. And then I have to jump as I'm swatting at this thing full height just to hit the hula hoop. This sounds and an attempt. <laughs> right. And I, at this point, like the whole, every single kid in the neighborhood's like come to give it a try at this point. So I'm standing around like eight kids, eight years old and younger, and they're all like watching. And, and I think it was attempt 12, maybe. I finally got this thing. I'm telling all the kids to get the hell away because the I started with the chainsaw side up first, which in hindsight was stupid. Because yeah. every time I missed, now this whole chainsaw weight is coming down towards <laughs> the ground. I'm like, good. I'm going to clunk some neighbor kid in the head with a chainsaw. How am I going to explain this? Yep. <laughs> well, your kid didn't get out of the way. <laughs> It'd be a hell of a 911 call is what that's going to be. <laughs> Sir, do you know what happened? Yes, I would prefer not to tell you. Do I have to? I kept the cover on the chainsaw blade. It's fine. And it wasn't plugged in. So, but yeah, finally got that down. And then, of course, all the other things that you do as a parent, my daughter runs up and goes, Daddy you're the best daddy. And then another kid goes, your daddy's so awesome. Nice. I'm like, well, yeah, it felt good. But my first response was like, oh, this is what it takes to be awesome. Not <laughs> feeding you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Whatever. Hashtag dad life. So my dad likes to call me bro. That's his thing right now. So he's like, hey, bro, have a good day, bro. It's, it's kind of his thing. And <laughs> A part of me wants to be like, no, 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 no. It's dad to you. But since he doesn't have any brothers, I really have kind of embraced it. And I kind of love it. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of fun. So we're bro and bro. Today he comes home. I guess he had art class today. Comes home today with a bracelet. He says, dad, I made this for you in school today. I was like, oh, cool, man. What is it? He goes, it's a bracelet. It has the letter S on it. S. Like my, my name doesn't start with S. All right. I'm like, what does the S stand for? It stands for super bro because you're my super bro. And I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of like I love you 3000. That just melts the heart right yeah. there. That's just sweet. That's cool. Yeah, that was my my feel good moment of the week with the kiddos. I was going to say, I think I felt some feels for a second. I'm usually yeah. not the emotional type, but that was pretty cute. Yeah, it must have been something else. Maybe indigestion or something. Probably. Yeah. Got the hiccups and the burps. The vodka. <laughs> the it's, vodka. It's Keep your clothes the naked on, right? alcohol. <laughs> it's a filter. Don't worry about it. Yeah, there we you go. About that, that would be a filter. The birthday suit filter. <laughs> the birthday suit. I think we already talked about Jeffrey Tubin. We so. did. Yes. Yeah. We did. No, and so his comeback. <laughs> he wrote an op-ed the other day. Like he's back yeah. in action. All right. Fully inserted. Good for him. Good for him. Rising back up to the occasion. I like that. <laughs> oh, we have to stop. That's what she said. That's okay. That that's where I have to apologize for. You're going to be getting a bunch of office 
memes and and gifs over the next i don't know how long um confession time i have never seen the office like all the way through just haven't i know are you you watching it now yes you know how it goes new kid lots of just late night time in front of the tv chatting i mean we're we we do breastfeeding kind of thing not me personally she won't let me but so lots of lots of just time in front of the tv so we decided this time third kid since we're professional parents now that we're gonna watch the office from start to finish because i haven't done it and she'll watch it any day of the week three times sunday kind of thing yeah so we we're into season two already we've already kind That's of been good. season two it, is but... exponentially better than season one my wife and I tried watching it that is. show when we were in Virginia. A friend of ours like, you haven't seen The Office? What's wrong with you? We right. just hadn't seen it. So um, we started watching season one. Another friend of mine had bought me season one on DVD two years before, and we never got around to it. And we watched season one, and we're like, I don't get the big deal. Like, it's There's some moments. There's some ahas, but what's the big yeah. deal? And then we got into season two, and we're just like, this is amazing. This 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 show, now I get it. And it gets better. It's one of those shows that really does, it does. get better as it goes. You're in for a fun treat. That's That's a good show. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I I was unfamiliar with it. I mean, I, I've seen episodes here and there. I mean, even when we were engaged, I mean, she would watch episodes in the car if we were going somewhere. So I, I would hear entire episodes. So it's not like new per se. But a good example is um the Purse Girl, um which is it turns out it's Amy Adams. Like we're watching this again. I'm like, oh my god, it's Amy Adams. So for in case you guys don't know who this is, um I think she's the stage five clinger youngest daughter in wedding crashers yes she's the woman in the window she's the lead role in arrival like she turned into like a big name actress but like younger hers is the purse girl and and i think season one that early i i think so but we're watching this episode and i went wait this episode's like this early she goes my wife goes yeah like like what are you stupid (laughs) yes obviously i'm office ignorant why don't you explain this to me like I'm five? <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to get a lot of those because because we're going through. We got the DVDs. We got the whole show because it's like we know we're going to do this. So we have it all. Don't have to rely on any streaming service. So that's nice. It's fantastic. Oh, my gosh. That was, by the way, how Parks and Rec was. First of all, totally different show. Parks and Recreation is Tom knows me. He knows that when I'm like, oh, the same, but different, the same, but different. Then my brain goes, why different? I think The Office is based on they have their set stereotypical characters and then they 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 make fun of each situation or scenario. And that's how the episodes are titled, you know, sexual harassment, uh, racism, like stuff like they, they kind of pick a hot button topic or an office topic and they just run with it. Parks and Recreation, I think, is the other way. I think Parks and Recreation focuses on the characters because those episodes are based around what would this character do? How would this character do it? So they they have fewer problems. Each each episode is almost driven by what a character is doing that time instead of an actual like event or thing outside of each character. But Parks and Rec was the same thing. Where the, my whole point of this was I had same thing. I had seen Parks and Rec episodes and I was like, wow, this show is really awesome. We should sit down and watch it start to finish. And we did. And my God, the first three episodes, four episodes were awful. I almost wanted to skip ahead Yeah. when I was watching them, like knowing that the show was going to be eventually great. I was very aware of like, if I started watching the show when it came out, I probably would have given up on it after two or three episodes. I've been like, this show sucks. I'm not watching it anymore. 
But by the time you get past those first five, six episodes, it starts getting really funny. And and it's maybe my all-time favorite show, even even more so than what I've seen from The Office so far. I love Parks and Rec. So I haven't seen all of Parks and Rec, but I've seen a fair amount of my wife's seen it all, and I've caught bits and pieces with her, and they're clearly characters that speak to me in that show. It's oh one I keep meaning to go back and watch, and I, I just have not found the time for it. Um, it's so it's so good. Yeah. I mean, you could spend an entire episode just talking about Ron Swanson in that show, too. Ron Swanson is excellent. That is the character that gets me every time I watch that show. Just, yeah, I need to finish watching that show. I mean, have, it, have you seen Psych? You know, so yes. Okay, I'll, I'll say yes. I saw the first four seasons. I, okay. I actually kept up on it as it was coming out. This was this would have been like 15 years ago now. Because I think I, I want to say I was in college when they were actually making them. Yeah, it, it right? ended. Gosh, was I still in Virginia? I want to say it ended around, had to have ended around 2015, 2016 is when I think it ended. It went eight seasons. Let me look. Oh, by the way, I was peeking into the um, the big game while you were talking about it and you were absolutely spot on it was 2010 the amateur was known as the loose cannon they started out with a hundred thousand they kept anything over it it even has a little paragraph in here where it says tony g versus phil Hellmuth. oh yes <laughs> if they've got those excerpts so, like pulled out you need to watch that it is priceless you don't even have to be a poker fan to be like what is happening here this is entertainment at its finest you know, my dad, or sorry, side note. So Psych ran from 2006 to 2014. Oh, man. It looks close. like. So you were close. That's what, well, and and I was, I started college in 2006 and I said I watched three or four seasons. Um, my Phil Hellmuth is my dad's little, I guess, touch with fame story. He, uh, Phil Hellmuth used to frequent Michigan casinos a lot. Really? At one point, apparently, um, even up in like the Upper Peninsula, which is where we've spent a lot of time. And and my dad talks about playing at the table with Phil Hellmuth a few times wow. and just being like, yeah, he's an asshole. But man, he's really good at poker. <laughs> Sounds about just, right. Just, yeah. yeah. It, he he did bluff Phil, Phil Hellmuth one time, he said. So hero story, which I mean, it makes sense. If you play poker at a table with somebody for two or three hours, you'll probably catch him once or twice, you know, yeah. so but still. That's my association with Hellmuth. Was if, if you're a good poker player, you're gonna fall for bluffs sometimes because oh, yeah, there's spots yeah, yeah, where you're supposed to fold, and good poker players fold in certain. Know spots. that, and good poker players know that. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's and you the know bad what, poker too, my... players you can't bluff. Those are the ones you can't. <laughs> <miss with. laughs> right, and you sit there and you like, please give me a hand with this guy, and then sometimes you still get cracked anyway. Well, my, I mean, to be fair, too, my dad is a hell of a poker player. He does not swing the two five games or anything like that, really. He sticks to his one two no limit kind of deal right now, like I usually do. But the man, you know, he sits there and he he, he goes, Douglas, I've been having such a terrible month this month at the casino. Oh, really? What What's terrible? He's like, well, I'm only up $500 and it's been three weeks through the month. I'm like that you're winning and you're up hundreds of dollars every yeah, single month you know no, it's, it's, it's like, the mentality if, if, if i, I know, go and i sit there I for four hours and i walk out up 100 dollars, that feels like a loss to me it means i average 25 Almost. bucks an hour and that's a loss my time is worth right. more than that and i know that it's my, my expected right. blinds per hour is, is more than that so no i get a, it completely but he's like he's 80 what is he now 82 oh good for him something like that he's old you know how old he is tom 82 
Well, yes. Other than that, though, <laughs> think, you know what 82 means? Because he tells me this. He says he was he's like, oh, I think I was five. And I'm like, you were probably four, dad, based on the timing. But he says he remembers his mother running out of the house, excitedly screaming, the war is over. The war is over. Like World yeah. War Two. He's yeah. yeah, he's old. That that's kind of old. He yeah. we were talking about TVs the other day. He's like, oh, I remember my neighbor who had one of those fancy TVs at the time. He's like, it was a two inch screen. It was like whole piece furniture, but it was you know two inch grayscale. He said him like five or six of them, the neighbor kids would all go over there every Saturday morning and watch cartoons, and they'd all huddle around this little screen. So that's cool. Back in the sixties, yeah, right. But yeah, he's he's a hell of a poker player. He uh, I I used to. You know, when you're little and your dad tells all his stories and you're like, yeah, yeah, whatever, dad. And then you get older and you're like, wow, shit, these are probably actually true because <laughs> I've done some of those things now. Yeah. He talks about how he would, f- if there was a house game, he found it. Yeah. He learned Omaha from a house game. He learned high low from a house game. He said he found a house game that was blending, you know, like they they did a version of high low and Omaha in the same game, like in every single hand. And then he found games where every hand was a different game and he just played these things. And so, yeah, I guess a man who does that should feel like only winning a thousand bucks a month is shitty. If you're putting in enough hours. Yeah. I mean, if you're only playing one session, that's great. You know, a thousand bucks at one. Otherwise you'd be a failure one session, but yeah, if you're hmm. playing three or four nights a week, then that, that no, boils no, down no. to not, not enough. Yeah. I get it. Imagine an even dorkier me. And that's my dad. Okay. I like so your dad. If I, I like your dad a if, lot. Well, hey. <laughs> <laughs> we should have your dad on here one night. I, th- I think I would love to hear your dad talk. You know, while I have to admit that that would probably be a fantastic episode, I don't think we could get him to do it. I think it might episode. be worth it. And I have... think it sounds like it would be worth it. He sounds like he would be a hoot. We'd have to get him on. the. We can talk poker if you want to talk poker. We oh, can we, talk, can talk po- we can talk. Oh, he can talk poker. Like, we'll talk whatever he no. wants to talk. I think this would be a fun. This would be a fun get. It would be, but Tom, this is like failure to launch level issues that I'm talking about here. When I think that adds to this, I don't. I don't think you understand this. Like <laughs> that makes this more entertaining, not less. <laughs> he is about three percent better than what I'm about to describe right now, but he sent me a private message in Facebook one time. When I was talking, I, I made a comment on Facebook forever ago about like, hey, I'm heading to the casino. And it was a public like newsfeed comment. Yeah. And he sent me a private message that said something like, sure, can't say it's my first time at the casino. And then <laughs> and then the message said, that was a private message to me, right? And this is a private message back to you, right? And then the message said <laughs> I tried to message him back. I'm like, no, no, dad, that was sent to other people. And then, and then his response was, well, then how did I see it? <laughs> I had to wait until I saw him again to try to explain it. And he yeah. was making that face where he's like, I still don't understand, but he's saying, okay. <laughs> so that's, that's a level of, of tech savvy that we're dealing with here. If we try to bring him on. All right, get him on. And I'm, we're going to figure this out. Make that work. I'm, I'm turning into him too. That's the best part. That's not a bad thing. It's going to be great. No, it's not. There are, there are way worse fates. And I, I think I'm not saying that because I'm accepting my fate. I think I'm saying that because I realize there are worse fates, but it's going to get ugly. Sorry, kids. That'll make them tough. They'll be all right. Sorry I jinxed your dolphins the other day, by the way. Oh, goodness. Freaking dolphins. Can't get out of their own way. 
honestly, I think a lot of it is injuries, but they clearly have Maybe. not impressed me on the road this year. Just, I mean, they started off with two really big road wins that I, I felt really good about, and then they can't seem to beat a real team on the road, and it, it frustrates me. But again, they're so injury-ridden right now. They didn't have either of their top two cornerbacks. They were missing a safety. They were missing three of their starting offensive linemen. They were missing... You know, Jalen. That's Waddle, not good against the Eagles. <laughs> no, it's not. Jalen Waddle <laughs> had, had really bad back issues and missed a lot of the game, and like got injured during the game and was screaming in the medical tent with back pain. And I mean, there was there was a lot going on, and there were a lot of injuries. But all mm-hmm. that said, I'm I'm still disappointed that they couldn't have done a better job and put up more of a fight than they did. That was a weird game for me as a spectator, knowing that you might be watching because I I turned on the game briefly, and I kid you not. The first I turned it on and it was um that was probably when it was seven to fourteen maybe was it seven to fourteen at one point yeah yeah so the first play turned it on see the score oh interesting the the next play was the weird tip interception where Miami got the touchdown and I was like oh okay well fourteen to fourteen then we went to. I don't know. I think that was 17 then. I think I think that time maybe was okay. You're right. So I think that that was, was yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Because I think that was the last time they scored. <laughs> As I turn I on the game, that's correct. the last time they scored. Yeah. And then I come back and I turn on the game again because we were doing whatever you know for whatever however long it was in the house. And the next play I see was Philly's next touchdown where they went up 24 to 17. And then that's when I texted you and I was like, hey, I've only seen two plays and they've both they've been touchdowns for each team. Yeah. And I think right as I sent the like, let's see if I'm a good luck charm or not, then again, next play, two or through that interception. So, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm just gonna stop talking now. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> see, at least when I texted you about your Browns, it was about Miles Garrett being a beast, and then he highlighted my point. He was oh like, Oh yeah, God. Tom's giving me love. I'm gonna make I'm gonna I'm gonna give this man some I'm well, but see, but that was but you know, I was willing to sell him out. That's why I said two first round picks. And, that, and you that, thought no, you, wanted to, you wanted to send me Deshaun Watson. I no, 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 I, I didn't. I, I understood I understood why you thought that after I reread the, the message, but I was saying no. Uh, what I was saying was because we gave up three first round picks for Deshaun Watson, sure, maybe two first round picks and a little extra for Miles Garrett would help bring some of that back because you know we just lost all those picks. That was that what I meant to sense. say. Okay, that makes more and sense. And then, and then, two minutes later, he did the like the sack in the end zone and gave us the touchdown. So I'm like, never mind, you can't have him. I don't yep. even care. Deshaun <laughs> Watson's limbs can fall off now, and you still can't. Yep. <laughs> still can't have Garrett. Oh, that dude's he's a freaking. Beast. You know, again, I, I haven't paid attention to this stuff at all, obviously, because when I was re-listening to me talking about Joe Mixon, that was its own train wreck. Oh, Joe Mixon hasn't gotten in any trouble recently. And you go, uh, he did all these last firearm year. charges, threatening people. Oh, his you, car, like, other his than yard. these, like, other than these five things in the last two years that are really, really bad looking, yeah. you're right, clean as a whistle, just like Disney. But I, I remember paying attention to the Miles Garrett draft class and looking back on it now, can you believe that the talk was like, should the Browns take Miles Garrett? Well, at first they were talking about, should they take Miles Garrett or uh the other guy from Alabama, the defensive lineman from Alabama. What was his name? Was Cooper? Clowney? Was it was no, 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 no. Clowney right? was South Carolina. It was way before. No, it was way before. I don't it was like Jonathan was. Cooper or something. I, I don't know. It was some Alabama lineman. And Jadavian and... Clowney was LSU, wasn't he? He wasn't even in Alabama that I think about it. No, Jadavian Clowney was South Carolina. I remember South he, Carolina. he went there. We he go. was yep. he was South Carolina. I think he came out. No, when did he come out? I don't know. It was a while ago. Like all of a sudden, thinking about it, it was a while ago because he was in Houston first, I think. 
Yeah. 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 There was, a, unless you're thinking about Mario Williams. There you go. Because Houston took him when everyone assumed Reggie Bush was going to be number one. My, how running backs have fallen. But anyway, I digress immensely. It was Mitch Trubisky. At first, it was Miles Garrett and then this Alabama lineman who ended up going 10th, I think. But then it switched to should the Browns take Mitchell Trubisky from North Carolina because, you know, they need a quarterback or say they take Miles Garrett. And, and there were people legitimately saying, no, you need a quarterback. If you think a quarterback's your guy, you take you take your quarterback. And obviously, Miles Garrett was a great choice, but that dude was uh, his combine stats and everything. It was just one, it was one of those like, who is this guy? Yeah. Six foot four, six foot five, 285 pounds. He has like a 40 inch vertical. His broad jump is like 15 feet. His, his best inch broad jump is one offensive center is what his broad jump is. Right. As was evident when he blocked that kick. <laughs> he just right. jumped right. over the center. No problem. Well, I he, got this. <laughs> I think they said that for Garrett after the combine, his bench press and squat and and it was one of the other ones, like the seven cone shuttle or something like that, like one of the agility drills. Yeah. All three were top five all time in the combine. And yeah, it was something like that. And they were just like, yeah, there's, um, well, I don't think we've seen anybody quite like this, at least as a, as a defensive lineman. And obviously it shows because he's just, he's either too fast for you or he's too strong for you. And he figures it out pretty quickly each game. I mean, the dude's ridiculous. But then the the other combine that I really paid attention to was Saquon Barkley's combine. He went, Barkley went two, right? Who went first overall his year? I can't even remember. I don't know. Yeah, I honestly don't know. It was a quarterback. Was it a quarterback? Probably. That's, that seems to be the way these things go. I should find it now, but I remember reading Saquon Barkley's combine stats, and it was the same kind of thing. It was like, is this guy even human? Did, didn't kind he run deal. like for his 40? Didn't he run um, like an injured injured? And I think for a shuttle cone, he was like injured. And, and I think his vertical was was technically injured. And then I think his broad jump was also injured. Isn't that right? It's all injured. All injured, I think. And I say that mm-hmm. because I have him drafted on a lot of my fantasy teams. And I just feel like he's always injured. Right. Well, right. He's so he athletic. Like I can't not take him ever, but he's just I'm, always he's hurt. Just, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's see. He was his. Okay, so he had a 4-4-40. I just found an article, and it says it was likely the second best ever by a running back who's 230 pounds or heavier. Wow. He had a 41-inch vertical, which was at the time likely the new record for 230-plus pound linebackers. Um, linebackers? Uh, running backs, sorry. RB, LB, it all blurs together when you're on PBR. It's fine. Um <laughs> Oh, and then it says his 29 bench reps rank about number five among all running backs, 235 pounds or smaller. So he was not, he wasn't that strong, but but he was stronger than any other guy his size, basically. Oh, here you go. Here's a, here's a, a, a little tweet that they included. So bench press, Saquon Barkley, 29 reps, Joe Thomas, 28 reps. So Joe Thomas was never, you know, the strongest guy, but like he's doing the same bench presses as offensive linemen. Yeah. His 10 yard split was 1.54 seconds, which was 100th faster than Deshaun Jackson. His 40 yard dash was 300th of a second faster than Devin Hester. And his vertical jump was 41 inches, which is two and a half inches higher than Julio Jones did. He's so, clearly an athletic beast. I mean, you watch the yeah. guy play, you watch him move, and there's no doubt he is a freaking animal. 
it's guys like him, like Tyreek Hill, like just, Megatron. I mean, they're just these are guys that are just built differently oh, than most athletes. And, and they said his shuttle was number twelve since two thousand. Also, like so, he's oh. just you know, he's like literally top ten physically in whatever you want. Yeah, as as a running back. Yeah, I mean, I think Tyreek Hill was the one who um. Back when he was still with the Chiefs, I think they took one of his touchdown runs where he just caught a slant and ran, and they super – oh, no, 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 sorry. Completely messing my stuff up. They showed Tyreek Hill in high school running a, a track event, and they superimposed it against Olympic trials where he was in the Olympic trials, and they were showing how he he was running with football gear in high school or college at – almost olympic qualifying times for like a 100 meter dash and it's just like but that's with gear on like he may not make an olympic team but he's that fast well he was over 22 miles an hour last week they put that little chip in the shoulder pad he was clocked at over 22 miles an hour on like two different plays last week i mean like okay that's fast he can he can catch a football and also he's maybe one of the 10 fastest people in the country like ever like like right now yeah he's he's well, That's he's ridiculous. definitely that. He he went to the um the indoor um indoor track and field uh the national competition for indoor no, track this year, and he won. He he did two events and he won them against <laughs> just American I mean, yeah. track athletes. And he was like, "Oh, yeah, I'm just going to go compete and see if I can still yeah, do it." Yeah, like guys who and he do won. only and this, and he does it as only part of his job. Technically, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he won the freaking event. He's he's insane. There's a reason they call him the cheetah, and it's he deserves it. The guy's yeah, he's, he's a freak. You know who I would have loved to see have a longer career to see what he could really do? Oh, this yeah, is going to be a random poll. You ready? Who? I got a bunch of names for that one. Well, okay, fine. Well, then I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Okay. <laughs> Not to I'm, I'm going to go with two it's Lions players. Right off the bat, I'm going to go with two Lions Really? Players. Okay. Um. Well, so Percy Harvin. Yeah. That dude was fast. And I mean, I, I don't think he was top speed like Tyreek Hill fast. But when he decided that he was going to turn on the Jets or like come out of a break, it was fast, fast. That he, he, I, I don't, I don't know if I've seen fast, at least field fast, quite like that ever. Even like a Tyree Kill. I think Tyree Kill is the fastest I've seen. I really do. He, think I mean, he's fast, fast but I mean, but he's fast because he gets up to his top speed and then he goes. But I mean, like coming out of a break or when he's deciding that he's going to just like turn it on. I think Percy Harvin went, you know, his proverbial zero to 60 faster than anybody I've ever seen. I think, I don't know. Hmm. In my, in my professional NFL scout opinion. <laughs> I'm sorry. Cause I, I have a Lions player who I would have loved to see play longer. But... Is it Barry Sanders? No. Well, Is yeah. It, oh, well, okay. Uh, or Calvin I have Johnson? a real, I have a real, yes, obviously. I have a okay. real answer though. Javi okay. best. All right. That dude was good. He wasn't, he wasn't like a Barry Sanders, obviously. Or like a, he wasn't like all time great, but he could have been like a, like a skinny Frank Gore. Like he, yeah, that's not what I'm getting excited about when I watch football. Like, like that, but that dude, he, he was the, he was one of the early versions of five catches out of the backfield. 12 to 15 rushes out of the backfield, good for a hundred yards game and, and just slippery enough kind of thing. Like Kevin Smith, but like, you know, pro level instead of college level. Remember yeah. Kevin Smith was, was chasing the record in college at one point yeah. for like UCF or whatever. I, I like Javid best a lot. And then he had a, and then he had a second concussion and it was just like, well, never really recovered. And then he just stopped playing. 
He just wasn't someone that ever got me excited to watch a game, though. Like Barry Sanders. Oh, yeah. Okay, I, I, I got you. I would tune in to watch the Lions play just to watch. And I was a kid. Yeah. Like I was super young, but I knew what I was seeing was special with Barry Sanders. That Even was Emmett Smith for me. That makes I, sense. I, I get what you mean. Yeah. That was Emmett Smith for me. If the Cowboys were on, it was like, oh, Emmett Smith. Yes, I I, I want to watch this. Yeah. yeah. For for me, it was right. it was Barry Sanders, like Calvin Johnson for a long time, Randy Moss when he was with mm-hmm. the Patriots that first year because that was crazy. Um, was Ricky nuts. Williams, eighteen and one, baby. Played longer. Yeah, eighteen and one. <laughs> I have the sweatshirt. Ricky Williams <laughs> is a player. Obviously, as a Dolphins fan, I wish I had seen play oh, yeah. because he gave me that electric feeling too. It's like, oh yeah. my gosh, what's Ricky going to do today? It was he was amazing, and he just walked away. But yeah, Barry he Sanders, did. Calvin Johnson, Ricky Williams, like those are top three. Reggie Bush, in a way, because the yeah. way he got me excited in college, I would tune in to watch him play in college. The game, yeah, against Notre Dame, I, I was tuning in and I was like, "Oh man, I'm, I'm Notre I Dame's going to win this game." I was exciting. Oh, you were there. I was there. I, I that, watched that game live, mm. and I remember thinking they were going to win, and I was so excited. And then he went for that. What was it? Seventy yards up the sideline, breaking tackles, making people miss. Like Reggie Bush got me excited to watch football. Like he would I, get me fired up, and then he did nothing in the NFL. Okay, Tom, no, you now you triggered me. Last time I triggered me, but this, <laughs> no, I, I was at that game. That was my freshman year at Notre Dame. I was there. And and I'm I you know what? I don't know what it was like on TV, but you're in the stands, you're number nine Notre Dame in our favorite buddy Charlie Weiss's first year as head coach with the Brady Quinn yeah. and Marie Stovall and Jeff Samarja and, and basically Ty Willingham's players when they finally got good and they they axed yep. Ty Willingham. But when you're in the stands against number one USC, reigning national champions, and you watch the scoreboard clock go to 0.0 and you're like, you see people trying to jump the wall and the ushers are like, no, 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 no. Like, and, and to their credit, everyone did kind of like listen for half a second, like, okay. And didn't cause extra pandemonium, but to go from like, holy shit, we won the game emotionally to like, holy shit, we lost the game. And Oh, by the way, it might be an illegal move (laughs) right now. That's that sucks. That's I I can't even fathom what that would feel like in person. I really can't. That's it. It was awful. It was like completely dumbstruck for a long time and then the very next morning i'm in like the columbus airport seeing my best friend from high school it's like our us and our dads just visiting because he's in town briefly and he's like oh man tough game last night like, fuck you ben <laughs> yep <laughs> like yes i know you're just trying to commiserate but please don't yeah please too soon love god don't too too soon let's let's not talk about this yet <laughs> maybe next year not not right now <laughs> yeah yeah, that was tough. But okay, but all all that aside, Reggie Bush got done dirty by the NCAA when all that shit came out. There's so many layers for me to Reggie Bush. I mean, there's that game. Um, I had one of my my coworkers, Max Nervous, um, one of my server buddies. He paid attention to college football. He probably, I mean, in another life, he would be a football analyst. We were sitting in the bar with our draft beers when reggie bush committed to usc and he looks at me and he goes there's something happening there that's not right and i go i'm like are you sure and he goes oh yeah i'm sure i'm like okay well you can't prove it And he goes no i can't but reggie bush i can't remember the other two guys names and then chauncey washington and he goes four five star running back recruits all in the same class all commit to the same school when 
they could very easily be number one running back at almost any other program in the country. He's like, they're, they're getting paid. They have to be getting paid. There's, there's no other. Yeah. Right. And it turned out he was right. And, and, and point taken. I mean, that was, this was during a time when Reggie Bush was supposed to go number one overall in the draft. So I mean, running backs were still high priority. It wasn't even like, you're just trying to save yourself for the, for the pro game. He, this, this same guy, when Rich Rodriguez got hired by Michigan, he looked at me and he said, he'll be gone after three seasons. And I said, uh, are you sure? Oh, oh yeah, I'm pretty sure. And I was like, what about two? And he goes, no, not two. It'll probably be three. What about four? I'll be surprised if he makes four. <laughs> Kid you not. He got fired at the end of his third season because he knew what Rich Rod was doing at West Virginia. And he's like, I'll bet you the same thing happens. And he, it was just this guy just had it. So that was his thing about Reggie Bush was obviously getting paid. And then I had the Bush push game and then they vacated his Heisman. It's like, well, we know this is happening elsewhere. You can't, I hate vacating stuff because yeah, who won? Nobody. Right. It, it's too, it's too close to cancel culture to me. I don't, I don't care for it. History is history. I'm well, sorry. I don't mind about cancel culture is fine. Cause you're losing something and, and then someone else comes in and, and takes the spot. But when you're talking about sports, it, I don't know. You can't be like, well, this other team won the game then because they didn't. You, you can't you can't add as a win and you can't do the like Astros Call of Fame like people were talking about with Barry Bonds with baseball. You can't really do that. So I understand the whole vacating thing, but to me it it an asterisk is better than a, than vacating because it's like because if you have a thousand NCAA games played, how can there only be 900 total wins when you tally up all the wins together? That doesn't make any sense. Someone had to win those games. I mean, there's not a great solution, but to to vacate it is kind of like it's kind of like shitting on everybody. You know, you, it, it's almost to me, it's almost better to be like, OK, Jason White, you take the Heisman now because Reggie Bush didn't get it. You You should at least give it to somebody because. If I'm if I, I'm just trying to put myself in the place of an athlete because I was super athletic, I was a tennis player, lottie fucking da, <laughs> but I work my ass off and try to stay clean and not do anything that's dirty or cheating, and then someone else beats me, and at least at the time I'm like, okay, it's because he's better than I am, and I mean I ran into that all the time when I was playing tennis. Like there were kids who were just supremely gifted, supremely talented, and good for them, but. If I found out later that they cheated to the point where the governing body says your award is no longer valid and I was second, there is a part of me that's kind of sitting there going, wait, well, then I was the best person who was following the rules. So I should get credit for this, right? It's kind of like shitting on me a little bit to just be like, oh, well, his didn't count. But then what? My work didn't count either then? Before I could say I, I finished second to so and so. Now I'm just saying, well, I played. I was the best, probably without cheating. But there's literally nothing in the record books to show that officially. If you know when when it comes to to record keeping, so I, I I don't know. I I think they did him dirty though because they shouldn't have made him give it back that much later. In my opinion, I agree. It, it's almost like it's just beyond that time frame where it should be punishable it's it's outside the statute of limitations at that point you know he did something he got it moved yeah. past it like you said nasterus is better to me there than just vacating it i think or the reverse too like now that you're allowed to kind of have some compensation it should be like okay reggie 
you know, we'll at least kind of like reference it, you know, well, maybe you can't have the trophy anymore, but it'll still be displayed in the record books kind of thing. And maybe I'm partial to him too and being a little bit hypocritical almost with it because when you watch that dude, he was obviously so much better than everybody else. Like, you know, even the games they lost, he was obviously the best player on the field. Just and so it's kind of hard to say, like, even if he was cheating, like, (laughs) come on, who's really the best player? It's not like Who's he was really cheating because he was taking steroids or he was amped up right. on uppers or, you know, he wasn't he cheating was, for his performance. Right. This this is like someone yeah. going to jail for insider trading. You know, it, it, it doesn't mean that they didn't perform at a high level. It doesn't mean they're an evil person necessarily. Right. If the Heisman is to measure the best athlete of that year, he was 100% inarguably and undeniably the best college football player. And what happened yes. outside happened outside. If you want to find some other way to punish him for that, you want to charge him fines for whatever he took, or maybe there's a conversation to have, maybe. But in an award that just recognizes the best player, unless he was shooting up or he was, people were throwing games against him, unless something like that happens. Tanya Harding or something. Yeah, right. right. You're right. Yeah. Unless yeah. something like that happens, I don't know how you can good conscience strip him of that award. Because like you said, with him, it was that very rare case where you didn't have to go to statistics. The eyeball test told you everything you needed to know with Reggie Bush in college. He was just dominant, hands down. Yeah. He's got like the best high school tape too. Other dads, uh, I'll do you a favor. If you haven't yet, just Google Reggie Bush high school highlights. It's hilarious. I mean, there, there are other... Derrick Henry is one that comes to mind for for other hilarious high school tape because oh, I, his. I I watched his tape because maybe this was like the 0506 time someone was saying that that Nick Saban Alabama already re- was recruiting this kid who was a running back and Saban wanted to turn him into a linebacker and of course if you follow football you're like um excuse me why why is maybe arguably the best coach in the country wanting to change an offensive guy into like a defensive guy and not just any defensive guy, not like a cornerback, like you know, shifty, like a guy who hits people all the time. Why does he want to do this? And it was Derrick Henry. And I pulled up Derrick Henry's high school thing. It's he's not trucking like, people all over the time. Yes. He's yeah. it's like if you put me in a high school game, there's this guy who's <laughs> I kid you not, a head taller than everybody and they hand him the ball and he runs forward and he drags like six kids with him and he gets like (laughs) six or seven yards guaranteed every time it's hilarious to watch it it, i'll have to watch that when i lay down tonight it's a literal it's a picturing bowling pins like he runs into the trenches and linemen just go bouncing off like like bowling pins he he doesn't shed them they all kind of hang on but they just kind of falls forward (laughs) it's it's a literal like man among boys kind of image it's it's hilarious um so that that was kind of the difference but reggie bush he wasn't any bigger than anybody else in high school but the dude would run a 40-yard touchdown run, but I swear he ran 180 yards to get it. Yeah. He runs to the right. He stops. He looks. He decides, nope, there's nothing there. He runs to the left to try to go back across the field. Yeah. Oop, here's a guy coming. He it was bends. like Barry Sanders. 
Right. He bends yeah. backwards five or 10 yards. Again, like the, the worst thing possible as a coach is like, don't run backwards. Right. He does it to, cause he's just too, too fast. He runs around the guy and then he runs to, and then, Oh no, they kind of caught up with me. So I'm going to turn back and then cut through the one guy who's trying to cut me off now. And, and then he somehow ends up in, it, it, he's just, it's like that. Um, It's like that Japanese show where they have like three pros versus a hundred kids. He just waits and he keeps running until he gets it. Yeah, it's I'm amazing. watching some high school tape tonight before I go to bed. Uh, I crawl the, into bed and let my brain. The Derek, down. I I remember at first being underwhelmed because I was thinking, I was thinking Reggie Bush, like I should see someone who's who who is untouchable, like literally. But instead, he was the other side, and I was like, oh, that's why Nick Saban wants him as a linebacker because he literally needs half a team to tackle him in high school. Yep. He, <laughs> so he's of just course, a you guy hitting people. Yeah, well, and I mean, he stayed running back, and obviously, it worked pretty well for him. Yeah, I've got a lot of Ty J Spears across a lot of different fantasy football leagues this year. So if Derrick Henry could go ahead and get traded somewhere else, I'd be okay with that. I want to see him continue to thrive, just you know, not in front of Ty J Spears. That's all. All right. Well, I have Derrick Henry in our fantasy right now. Doesn't help, by the way. Freaking Addison. You see that? Yeah, I've got I've got a couple shares of that guy. <laughs> I was happy with I am, thirty points. I am going to <laughs> bitch to everybody about this right now. You all who have been listening will remember way back when we were talking about our fantasy draft, and I said something I know I shouldn't have said it, but I said I don't think I'll finish last. Well, so far I'm finishing last. <laughs> it's still early in the year. It's it's not time. early. It, it's it's <laughs> I'm trying. It's Since not, I'm not far above you, I'm really trying here. <laughs> I have not won a a week yet. My team is not bad. I've almost never been the lowest scorer every week, but I've always been bottom half. So I've just never, it's just never been in the cards for me. And this last week, I think I was leading by like 20 points or something going into the Monday night game. And I had Brandon Ayuk or whatever his name is, who's decent. Like he's a good player. And the only other guy I was facing was this Addison kid, rookie, in Minnesota. My my opponent starting him. It's a first round draft pick, baby. First round draft. Pick. He might have been. He might have been early in the second. I think he was. First oh my round. god! He might have been early second. And here's the other worst part too: is Ayuk didn't do bad. He got like he did all right. He was like eleven he, points, I think. He, he got was, like ten or eleven. I mean, yeah, but that like, there's like that's five not... receptions for like. 40 60 or yards or something. Yeah, or 40, something but, like that. But, like, it wasn't right, the kind so, of game he should have had. But Debo out, no, he should have been a beast, and he wasn't. No, but but here's the point. Is it, it wasn't like he shit the bed and had, like, one reception for 17 yards or anything like that. Like, he had, like, a ish game. Addison, like, nine catches, two touchdowns, 100-whatever, 40 yards or something. Yeah. Just had a career game, got over 30 points, and I lost by... I think one point. Oh, you were right there. It was awful. I, I was looking at it like I, I'm gonna win this week. I'm going to. And you always tell yourself, unless this guy has the best game of his life. Yeah. I went into a game, I was did. down I was down forty points, I think, or forty five points in my super nerd league. And I think I was down 40 or 45. It was over 40, but I don't know how much it was. And I had Addison and Hawkinson left. Like, that was all I had. Oh, my God. And I I, I remember getting time. messages just like, hey, he better not score again. I didn't know what he was talking about. I, <laughs> I, I crashed. Like, I passed out. I was not feeling well Monday. I didn't watch the game. After the stupid breathing test all day, I just was wiped. I did. And I woke up and I saw this string of text literally one messages. catch. <laughs> 
I needed one catch from Ayuk late in the game just to win. I will say I'm in an eliminator league and one of the guys had San Fran and it officially it was his second his second L, so he got dropped from the eliminator league. I'm I'm glad San Fran got ousted. I'm glad they took a loss. I'm grateful for that. Well, you're welcome. That's the Browns did that to them somehow. Yeah. You you guys are do a playoff appearance. You guys are, are good. Maybe maybe uh maybe a win in the playoffs, I think. The Browns should not be slated for the playoffs because they have Deshaun Watson. But like the NFL does not want him succeeding in the playoffs. But see, well, here's the thing. And again, I don't know what the powers that be want, but you'd think they don't want him to succeed because all the allegations from him also came out when he said he wanted out of Houston. But then again, it's good publicity to have his team continue to win because he's so hateable, you know, at least the way that's, that's meant to be. So you could argue that they don't want him to succeed, but they want him to at least make the playoffs and then shit the bed. Maybe that's it. Maybe because he's not playing these games, they want the Browns to win to show that the Browns are winning without him. There you go. Yeah, Maybe. Found something. Yeah, work with that. Yeah, so just keep him on know. the bench. You guys can keep winning. You can keep playing 12 on 11, and, and you'll keep winning. Oh, it just doesn't. I, I think the NFL tries to rig things, and it just doesn't always work. <laughs> that, that's That's my yeah. best theory. I don't think football is riggable the same way basketball is. I just don't no. think it is. No, because you can't quite slow down things the same way as you can with free throws, at least. So, right. all right, dad jokes. Mine's not really a dad joke. Oh, that's it's, good because I, I, I took a different joke. I took a different direction than I too. I wanted to have a night that wasn't you know com- didn't somehow wind up in sync with our conversation because it felt weird and scripted. I'm like, this feels like it was planned every single time. So right. I went a different route to ensure that my dad jokes would, would not. I mean, you planned good. it three or four times, though, so that's partially on you. Yeah, it is, but I wanted to be different this time. I wanted it to make sure it was something outside. So I've actually got a couple of little one-liner jokes that I'll be working in that are themed, and um, and they're they're awful and terrible. And if you're a paraplegic, I, I apologize. <laughs> and I got Doug to laugh already, so I think I win. So thank you for what? listening. Good night. I just I didn't expect that four-syllable word to show up right away. <laughs> Yes, I don't know what I was expecting, but it was not that. Uh, you, you've heard all the, uh, you know, what do you call a man with no arms, no legs jokes, right? Like you've heard Torso. those are not. What's that? Mr. Torso. <laughs> well, they're a little more specific. Have you not heard these? Like, are these are these a new concept to you? Maybe. I don't know. Oh, my goodness. I'm so We've excited. We've talked about my. Okay. So, let's, like, let's... what do you call a man with no arms and no legs on your front porch? Stan. Matt. Matt. Yeah. Matt. Okay. okay. What do you call yeah, a man okay. with no arms, no legs hanging on a wall? Art. Good. Okay. So you get this. All right. Good. Well, that, okay. Problem. Again, how disturbed I am. I knew that joke because of dead baby jokes from college. Don't mind yes. me. Moving and that on. makes sense right. because yeah. usually one okay. of these segues into the other. Right. So they, they tend to right. get darker. Okay. So yeah. like, like if I asked you, you know, why, why can't Sally swing on the swing? Because Sally has no arms. Because Sally has no arms and no legs. Right. Right. So okay. knock, knock. Who's there? Not Sally. <laughs> yes. See, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right, so now some of the more some of the more advanced, yeah, poor Sally's right. Some of the more advanced, you know, man with no arms, no legs jokes. What do you call a man with no arms, no legs in a hot tub? Bob Stew. Um, If he was in a swimming pool, you'd call him Bob. Yeah. What do you call him when he's water skiing? Skip. Good. What do you call him in a tree? Oh, um, in a tree. Mm Hmm. Oh, I don't know. Please tell me. Russell. Oh, yeah. Oh, man.
All right, and, and, and my oh, two Tom, favorite you ones. have opened my, my world. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad. Uh, my two favorite ones. What do you call This is one of those no times where it's a good no thing we're both married. <laughs> what do you call a man with no arms, no legs in the desert? No legs in the desert. Aaron? Like Arid? I don't know. I can't come up with anything. I'm sorry. Fucked. <laughs> <laughs> and how about in a volcano? Double fuck. Anakin. Oh, Anakin. Uh, Come on. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What do you all call right. a dog with no legs? Rough. Doesn't matter what you call him. He's not coming to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where do you find a dog with no legs? This is way off topic. I know. I know. I can't help it, though. You got me started. I, I got me started. Dog, no legs. So where Heel? do you find a dog with no legs? Heel. Healing. No. Wherever you left him. This just got pettier and pettier. I was trying to come up with the funny one. In, in, in honor of all See, the birthdays we've know, had over the... the last two weeks, what did the boy with no arms get for his birthday? Not a hug. I don't know. He hasn't opened it yet. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, I've got so, one more if you want a really bad one. It's the closest uh, one to it. Uh, no, I have the some. closest one to it. All right. Yeah, we'll leave it. Never mind. It's time for your dad. Joke. No, no. Me. You have to do it because it, <laughs> one of them reminded me of one of my Helen Keller jokes. <laughs> This this all started and got stuck in my brain. Do you remember the I told you the eleven year old that was telling us dirty jokes at my friend's house party? Yes. Like, oh my god. We started telling I, dead baby jokes after. You know how that's I how wanted this got to, back in my brain. Yeah, I wanted to tell my wife that joke, but I was just like, Will she think differently of me? <laughs> do we tell that joke yet? I don't think we told yeah, that joke. We, did we? we haven't told that joke yet. Oh, I can't okay. even well for you but listeners yeah, that at was home. A fantastic one. Doug already knows this joke, so he's going to get the so punchline. Yeah, we'll I'll just get, let I'll him deliver something. it. Yeah, we'll just let okay. you deliver it. It's fine. Right, but, uh, the the context to this was um, I have a friend who's dealing with um, terminal cancer, and we were having sort of a reunion at her house and, and bringing a lot of people in to say hi and, and make sure they had time to see her. And one of my friends brought their 11-year-old daughter who began telling dirty jokes to some of the adult males on the deck. And and this joke came out of the mouth of an 11-year-old girl who is the daughter of a friend of mine. And the joke is as follows. What did Cinderella do when she got to the ball? She choked. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I had not heard that joke, and I had to turn around so this 11-year-old would not see me laugh at her joke. Right. It was, uh, yeah, yeah. I hadn't uh... expected that one. So my jo- my joke tonight, not a dad joke really, but has nothing to do with any of this. Thank God. <laughs> uh, there's no there's no guessing. It's it's a punchline. Unfortunately, full disclosure. This was a joke that my uncle, one of my uncles, told me, told us. I guess a group of us, and he told this joke maybe tw- 25, 30 years ago. It was just something that stuck with me as a kid. And for some reason, it, it popped into my head uh, once or twice while we were doing these recordings, and I didn't use it at first. It didn't feel daddish enough, but I think it's I think it's worth telling. So there is a Native American family, and they're just sitting in their teepee, hanging out, and, and the parents are actually they decide to go outside and sit out by the fire, and they have two sons, and the one son whose name is Shooting Star, comes out and hangs out with his parents for a bit. And at some point he says, hey, mom and dad, um, 
me and my brother, we were just in the tent there and we were wondering how we got our names because we've always kind of been curious. They've always been, you know, it seems like there's some sort of system here. We just didn't know what, how you guys came up with that. And his parents go, well, shooting star for our tribe and our particular tradition and our family in the tribe, whenever a baby is born, the parents walk outside of the teepee and they look up or look out. And the first notable thing they see they name the kid that because it's meant to be a sign of, of, you know, who that kid is and what they're about. And so when we walked outside, the first thing that caught our eyes was a shooting star shooting across the sky. And it was just basically the first thing we saw outside after you were born. And he goes, wow, that's really cool. Thanks mom and dad. Okay. Um, Would you mind collecting some firewood for us so that we can, you know, keep this going for a few more hours before we go to bed? And he goes, sure. Thanks. And he walks off and right about, a minute after he walks off, the younger brother comes out of the TP, says, hey, mom and dad, I don't know if, if Shooting Star talked to you about this, but but we were actually wondering how we got our names. I mean, it seems like, you know, there, there may be something to it. And mom and dad kind of get this quizzical look on their faces and they go, why would you ask a stupid question like that? Two dogs barfing. <laughs> That's a good dad joke. I love it. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Thank you. You'll tell the stew joke to someone tomorrow. It's not art. (laughs) I can tell you that. It's not (laughs) art. art. (laughs) Well, thank you for listening. We appreciate everyone who's taking this. And uh, yes, see you next time.